0: Want well, to welcome you all to service? Uh, do we have any visitors tonight? Anyone new? Got one? Hey, how's it going? I'm Pastor Tom. No one calls me Pastor Tom; just Tom. But <laughs> good to have you here. I am a pastor, so it does qualify for that. But glad to have you at service tonight. I. It's April twenty-third, folks. It is April twenty-third. The school year is wrapping up really, really quickly. Am I right, Columbia College, have you guys started your finals? That's insane, okay? you find the older you get, the quicker time moves. To me, after I've been doing this like, man, 14 years now, finishing up my 14th year, For me, it feels like we just moved people in. And there's a lot of you in this room, we didn't have any idea who you were back in August, and now you're a part of our family. And yet, time has moved very quickly. Along with that means the end of the school year, and I'm sure there are lots of you that are like, thank you, Lord, I survived. (laughs) But it also means that we're going to be finishing up with Chi Alpha for the semester. And tonight we're actually going to be wrapping up our message series, Make Your Mark. Too many times in life you miss the good things that God's doing in the moment because you're so busy rushing around to the next thing, to the next thing. If I can give you a recommendation as that older guy that comes up here every once in a while and talks. Enjoy the moments that you have with each other. Enjoy the moments you have with your family and your community. These are things that you'll hold on to the rest of your life. And if you don't, they didn't mean that much to you to begin with. And so we're at that time of year where there are lots of you that you're saying, now what? Now what? What am I going to do? For our senior friends, you've spent, what, the better part of the last 17, 18 years in college, in school, and now what? Some of you have a job already. Some of you desperately want a job. I'm sure your parents would love you to get a job and not move home with them, too. For our underclassmen. You might be saying the same thing. Now what? Maybe this year you've experienced Jesus for the first time and had your life changed. You've gotten involved in Chi Alpha and you have a family in the body of Christ that maybe you've never had before. God's rocked your world at some point question is now what and as we wrap up this message series that's the final question I want to answer tonight in this message earlier this semester I actually spoke from John chapter 21 and it's when uh, Peter and the disciples they go fishing after Jesus resurrection they catch a ton of fish and they had this amazing time with the Lord when I first spoke on this chapter earlier this semester, I wanted to preach right through it. And yet God kind of caused me a pause and said, hey Tom, I want you to split this into two messages. We're coming back to it tonight. These guys, they have worked all night long. They didn't get anything until Jesus shows up, and then of course they get a miraculous catch. They head to shore, and they have breakfast with Jesus. Jesus serves them. And even though the Son of God has just died on the cross and resurrected and He's only going to be on earth for a short time, He takes time out for His family to serve them and to love them. Students, when you think that Jesus doesn't care about you or God doesn't care about you, you need to remember everything that Jesus has ever done, His death, His resurrection, all His blessings, don't mean squat unless you understand how much He loves you. His unending love for us defines everything that He does. And I I like to imagine... They were sitting on the shore that day around a campfire, just hanging out and talking and reminiscing about the past three years. I say that because every time that Chi Alpha has something with the campfire, people start talking about the past. Guys retreat, oh yeah, I remember when we did this, that was awesome. You're notorious for it, yeah, yeah. We have the hayride. We're sitting around. People are talking about past years, fun things that have happened in their life groups. And I bet Jesus and His disciples are no different from you and I. I bet they spent the time talking about their adventures that they had for the past three years. All the miraculous things that they saw Jesus do and all the ministry that they got to enter into with Him probably talked about some hard times. Things that they've, how they've grown. Remember when they started, a lot of these guys were only 16, 17 years old. Their time with Jesus helped them become men of God. And so, I want you to keep that in mind tonight, this idea of reminiscing a little bit. We're going to go ahead and pick up the story in verse 15. And we're going to read seven verses through uh, verse 22. If you have your Bibles, you can uh, follow along. I'm sure we'll have it on the screen. All right. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time, he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep I tell you the truth when you were young you were able to do as you liked. you dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go but when you're old you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you didn't want to go Jesus said this to let him know what kind of death he would glorify what kinda excuse me he said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God then Jesus told him follow me. Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during the supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. Quick reminder, this, just before this takes place, before Jesus' death and resurrection, Peter pledges his undying love and commitment to Jesus. He said, even if I have to die, I will follow you. As most of us know, that didn't go as planned. We find out that he goes on to deny Jesus three times. When we find Peter in this story, he has an identity crisis. He doesn't know what to do. He's denied Christ. He's abandoned him. And now Jesus is back. Where does that leave him? Now what? And even though he spent three years with Jesus, Peter still doesn't understand the basic nature of Jesus Christ. And it's simply this, while we may abandon Jesus, Jesus will never abandon us. Tell yourself that, folks. You may abandon Jesus, you may sin, you may go the opposite direction, but Jesus will never abandon us. The Word says that he leaves the 99 to save the one. Jesus is like, Peter, I was dead, but now I'm back. And I'm back for you. And you and I have some business to discuss before I go home. i got to be honest. If I was Peter, I would have been a little afraid of Jesus. I would have been afraid that He would punish me because of what I did. That he would want to get some kind of revenge for abandoning him. And I think that's the problem that a lot of us have with Jesus. We believe that he is going to think and behave like we would if we were in his shoes. And that can't be true because if it were, He would have never come to earth to die for us because He already knew that we would betray Him. How many of you are lining up to give everything you have just to have someone stab you in the back? Anyone want to do that? No? Jesus is asking you to. He wants you to be like Him. See, that's our Savior. That's who Jesus really is. And as you get into the story, a quick glance, it kind of seems like Jesus is calling Peter out in front of the other disciples. When I've read this, I'm like, oh, yeah, you got it, Peter. All right. Do you love me, Peter, more than the rest of these guys? And while I see it that way, I'm seeing it through my eyes, through my behavior. That's not Jesus' behavior. That wouldn't line up with Jesus' character. You see, he is in the business of redemption and restoration. And that's his purpose. So his actions, his behaviors will always lead to that conclusion. You see, Peter's sin has left him messed up. And Peter knows it. And I have to imagine that Peter would have felt pretty worthless standing in the presence of the Son of God that he abandoned. Jesus knows this. And so Jesus walks Peter through a process to restore him. For the 500th time this year, there is grace in the process. And so, why did Jesus correct Peter publicly? Could he have just taken Peter aside and talked to him and, you know, in private and just kind of work things out? Yeah, he could have, obviously. Obviously. But this restoration process needed to take place in public for a reason. You see, students, sometimes in life, when a sin happens for everyone to see, when you do a sin in public and people know that it's bringing you down and away from the Lord, restoration also needs to happen for everyone to see so that people can be set free. I believe that Jesus did this in front of the other disciples, not to shame Peter, but to show the world that restoration is for everyone. Even someone who denied the Son of God. And so, if Peter can be forgiven, if Peter can be restored to a right relationship with the Father, anyone can. Jesus wanted Peter to be restored. He also wanted everyone in that place and for eternity to know that restoration is available to all of us. Jesus had just defeated sin. His death on the cross and resurrection makes our restoration possible. Make no doubt, it's not by happen chance or luck that Jesus died a public death at any point the priest could have set up an ambush to try to kill him in private but he died publicly so that people could see his victory over sin and in a few days Jesus restores Peter publicly so that the world would know that he restores you and me from the results of death Jesus heals us, and makes us whole again. You see, Peter had a destiny. Peter was supposed to lead the disciples when Jesus returned to heaven. He was the rock that Jesus would build his church on. And Jesus wanted both Peter and the disciples to know that that was still true. Students, hear me and hear me well tonight in my last message of the semester. Today's sin doesn't negate tomorrow's destiny. Your sin today does not negate the destiny that Jesus Christ has for your life. Peter messed up bad. It doesn't change the fact that Jesus still had a plan for his life. And the same is true for you and me. Our sin is not stronger than Jesus' love. Sorry. (laughs) It's not a battle of equals, folks. It's the destruction of our temporary foe by our eternal King. And the only way Sin can derail God's destiny for our lives as if we continue in that sin. And at that point, it's not the sin that's preventing us from God's destiny. It's us. Don't blame the sin. Blame your choices. Nothing is stopping you from God's destiny for your life except for you. Jesus needed to remind Peter of his destiny. Jesus needs to remind each and every one of us of our destiny. And so how did he do that? How did he do that with Peter? First, uh, how does he do it with us? He calls our name. Three times, Jesus asks Peter a question. And three times, Jesus begins the question the exact same way. Simon, son of John. I'm going to be honest with you. When I read this story, I always kind of think, man, I'm like, Jesus is being a little bit repetitive here, okay? You know, over and over again saying the same thing. Peter, or excuse me, Simon, son of John. Simon, son of John. It'd be kind of annoying. It's kind of like your parents saying your full name over and over again. Thomas Edward Trask II. Thomas Edward the II. Do you know this Thomas Edward Trask Yeah, I got who you're talking to. I get it. I'm sure Peter knew Jesus was talking to him. And while it seems like a minor thing, we know that everything Jesus does is intentional, correct? Everything he says and does has a purpose and I don't think this is any different the bigger question is why I don't think it's because Peter has ADD or anything he's trying to make a point Jesus was trying to remind Peter who he was and that Jesus knew him sometimes Jesus needs to repeat thing, repeat himself over and over and over again until we get it. What have I said many times when, about when Jesus repeats himself? It's important. Everything Jesus says is important. If he repeats himself, it's super important. There you go. Sin has a way of making us forget who we are. It's dirty. It's distracting. It covers up the person we were created to be. We were created in God's image, not in sin's image. So that means you and I were created for great things. Unfortunately, sometimes sin gives us a spiritual amnesia. We forget who we are. And I'm sure that's the position that Peter was in. He denies Christ. He disowns Christ. And if you look, he even rejects the deity of Christ. I don't know this man. That kind of sin leaves you covered to the point that when you look in the mirror, you don't even recognize yourself. And while we forget might forget who we are, Jesus doesn't forget. Jesus can see through the dirt. See, some of you know, I like to buy and sell cars. My dad does too. I like to buy the dirty cars. One, you get them cheaper but it's about seeing the value underneath the dirt. All you've got to do is clean it up. Maybe vacuum it out. And it's worth so much more. Jesus knows our value underneath our sin. He makes it very clear that God knew us before we were born. He knows us and He knows what we will become. See, that's a big reason for this Easter season. I think there's this misconception with Christians sometimes that Jesus died to make you happy. Jesus didn't die to make you happy. He died for your sins. So that you and I can become the people that we were created To be. That's always the purpose. Jesus needed to remind Peter of this fact. Due to that fact, uh, sometimes Jesus will take us back to a moment when He had previously clarified who we are. See, repeating Peter's name over and over and over again grabs his attention, but it's also a reminder to a past moment Peter had with Jesus. Once again, talk about this reminiscing thing. This is the end, folks. This is one big looking back on the past three years. And there are a couple times in the Gospels where Jesus says to him, Simon, son of John, Simon son of John in John 1:42, the word tells us that Jesus looked intently at Simon that would freak me out man if Jesus looked at you it's like he would be looking right into your soul probably because he was looking into your soul <laughs> but Jesus says to him your name is Simon son of John but you will be called Caiaphas which means Peter Keep in mind, in John 1, this is the first time that Peter meets Jesus. And Jesus goes into the deep end of the pool quick. Jesus doesn't explain the whole Caiaphas, Peter thing in that moment. It's a teaser. It's a foreshadowing of what is to come in his life. And I'm sure that left Peter a little bit confused. Why is this guy trying to change my name? A little weird. He didn't understand in the moment, but I guarantee you, it was a moment that he never forgot. And he would have remembered and recalled at different times in his life. Students, you never forget the first time that Jesus calls you out of darkness. Lazarus life was excuse me his he was changed the day Jesus called his name and he came walking out of that too Peter didn't realize it in the moment but he would never be the same after Jesus called his name we are changed when Jesus calls us out of a life of sin, and sometimes we have to have Jesus say our name again to remind us of who we are now. That's the first way Jesus reminds us of our destiny. He calls us by name. Second way, Jesus calls out our purpose. Three times, Jesus calls Peter by name. Three times, Jesus reminds Peter of his purpose. Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Sin not only makes us forget who we are, it makes us forget the purpose Jesus gave to us. Uh, The second time Jesus calls Peter by name, he also clarifies Peter's purpose too. In Matthew 16, Jesus asked the disciples, Who do you say I am? And of course, who's the person that answers? Peter. For better or worse, the guy's always first at something here. And he says, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John. Because my Father in heaven revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. now... Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Boom. Jesus was going to use Peter to build his church and nothing was going to stop it not Satan not the world not even Peter and I'm sure it was kind of exciting to hear Jesus say that but I'm also pretty sure it was a little frightening to hear Jesus say that too but his purpose was clear and to have a successful life we need clarity nothing is sadder than a person without purpose there's no motivation there's no drive and their life is unfulfilled See, once again we were created in God's image people are happiest you wanna be happy live out God's purpose for your life Peters purpose was made clear by Jesus But by the time we see him in John 21, Jesus needs to remind Peter of his purpose. Most of us, we're going to need one or two reminders in our life from Jesus what our purpose is. Especially when our sin makes us forget our purpose. Your money, excuse me, your purpose isn't to make money your purpose isn't to have many houses God did not create you to own a bunch of cars guess what your purpose isn't even to come to sky alpha every Tuesday night our purpose as disciples of Jesus Christ is the same as Peters to build the church But Tom, I'm not called to be a full-time missionary or a pastor. It doesn't matter. Build the church. But I'm supposed to be an engineer or a teacher. It doesn't matter. Build my church. Your job shouldn't define your purpose. Your purpose should define your job you are a Christian teacher, you are a Christian engineer, that should always be first and always come before anything else. No matter what you do, Jesus wants to use his disciples, every person in this room, to build his church. And so what does living out our purpose look like? It's simply Starts by doing the instructions that Peter, excuse me, Jesus gave to Peter. Jesus is a good shepherd, correct? The instructions that we see here all have to do with shepherding. As his disciples, we are to take on those same roles within his church that he wants to build. And so the first instruction, then feed my lambs. When I read this, I see a mentoring relationship. When we talk about lambs, you're talking about young believers. The Apostle Paul talks about having to feed infants in the Christian life with milk because they're not ready for solid food. This has nothing to do with cooking. It's rather about gently teaching people the basics of the good news. You don't start with a deep theological discourse on covenant theology with someone that doesn't even know who Jesus is. You start with the basics. Who is Jesus? How does He want us to live? What does it look like to be a follower? You don't have to know everything to be a mentor to a young believer. You don't have to be a life group leader to be a mentor for a young believer. Chi Alpha will always have young believers, period. And if we want to grow and we want to reach people and build a church, I can't just have my staff and my leadership team mentoring people. I need Christians that are older, more mature, wiser, more knowledgeable. Help being the younger Christians grow. Because guess what? Next year we get a bunch of new freshmen. Crazy idea how that works. I know. We will see people saved next year. Mentor another student. second way you live it out, Jesus tells Peter, then take care of my sheep. When I see this, we're talking about an interdependent relationship with each other in the body of Christ. Uh, who are we commanded to love? Love God, love people, love, i give you a new commandment, love each other within the body the demonstration of God's love for each other is through caring for one another. We are to serve each other's physical and spiritual needs in tangible ways. You look at the early church in Acts. The word says that they met constantly. They shared everything they had. They sold their possessions and shared with those who were in need. They worshiped together. They shared meals. As I was doing some studying for some Feed One stuff I was working on, there's text that shows in the early church people would go days. They would fast so that someone else in the church could eat. You care that much? Physically and spiritually, the church was interconnected and they are connected by caring for each other. We are one body. We are a body that needs one another to be whole, and we need every part to be healthy. It doesn't make sense if you're working out your arm and your leg is broken, you're not going anywhere. And we are healthy when we're interdependent on each other. Take care of my sheep. And then finally, Jesus tells Peter, then feed my sheep. We're talking more of a peer relationship here. We're back on this idea of feeding again, but this time we're to feed sheep. Guess what? Older, more mature Christians need to eat too. I, off, the author of Hebrews talks about maturing Christians and teaching others in chapter 5. Uh, Verse 12 says, You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Obviously, Jesus puts people in positions to feed his sheep. We have pastors. We have leaders. But this instruction is for all of Jesus' disciples. You don't have to be a leader. You don't have to be a pastor to feed sheep. According to Hebrews, people who have been Christians for a long time should be mature. They should be teaching others. You should be spiritually feeding each other, keeping each other accountable. Teaching each other one of my favorite verses iron sharpening iron. You want to know what makes a healthy life group? groups of men and women who aren't just takers but they're givers, who inspire each other to greater things. I'm going deviate just a second here. Sometimes I speak from the front. and and I say some things that sometimes our leaders have a hard time saying. Students, sometimes our student leaders struggle to push you guys to grow because they're afraid that you're going to leave. That's not what disciples do. Don't put your small group leaders and your life group leaders in a position that they are afraid to push you to grow and become more like Jesus because you're gonna throw a hissy fit and walk out on them. that's a lot of pressure for a young person and unfortunately we've seen it happen year after year after year if you're saying you wanna be a disciple be accountable be accountable to each other. Don't put the weight on another 20-year-old to carry your burden when you won't lift it up. We carry each other's burdens. That's how the body of Christ works. Sorry. Okay. It's the last week I got to throw that. Sorry. <laughs> hmm. As a disciple of Christ, our purpose is clear. Mentor young believers. Care for one another. Spiritually feed one another. It doesn't matter your job or the arena that you work in. If you are not doing these things, you aren't fulfilling the purpose God created you for. God has a purpose for each of us but it does come at a cost. Jesus is honest, man. He never holds back. And he tells Peter, you want to be my disciple? It's going to come at a cost. When you're young, you're able to do what you, as you like. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and, the others, and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Church history tells us that years later, Peter was crucified upside down for his faith. Most of us will not face crucifixion as Jesus' disciples. But we will have to give up what we want. That's the battle that I've seen so many young Christians fight over the years the thing that they struggle with the most, and the thing that prevents them from actually being Jesus' disciple, our wants. Jesus is clear on this, folks. Jesus never lies. Count the cost. Luke 14, he said, so you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Everyone focuses on the... The material stuff, who cares? It's giving up your wants and your desires. See, the gift of eternal life is free, but it came at a high cost. Our Savior stepped down from heaven and died for us. Our purpose, the thing that we were created for, comes at a great cost. Giving up what? We want for what he wants. And you see, like Peter, it takes coming to a place where we realize that what we have and what we want pales in comparison to what Jesus has for us. And so Jesus reminded Peter of his name. He reminded Peter of His purpose. And now, to help us remember our destiny, He reminds us of His first command. Follow me. I love God's symmetry. Jesus never leaves anything incomplete or partially done. Wherever there is a beginning, there will always be an end. And I love that he always has a greater plan that I know very, very little about. I would love to tell you that when I came up with, you know, the Lord dropped this whole sermon series in my heart that I had a plan and where I was going to go and we're going to do this and do that. I didn't know squat. I just tried to listen and I tried to be obedient. And I had to admit to the staff yesterday, I was like, man, I was studying and God's good. It's crazy. It's crazy. Because He knew how things were supposed to be. We started the series with Jesus' first command to His disciples, come, follow Me, and I will show you how to fish for people. When they started to go away from Jesus, Jesus called them again, come, follow Me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And now the end of His ministry Jesus issues the same command to Peter again. Follow me. This command to his disciples will always remain the same. Follow me. It's never going to change. Even when Jesus talked to the rich young ruler, you lack one thing, sell everything you got, give your money to the poor, come. Follow Me. That's never going to change. And Peter does what a lot of us do when Jesus asks us to follow Him. What about Him? Whenever we're faced with that tough decision and we're going through trials and Jesus still wants us to come through the storm, what about Him? A lot of times we like to compare ourselves. We like to compare ourselves to those around us. And often we become jealous of what others do or do not have. That's not fair. They got it easier than me. They haven't had to go through the stuff I've had to go through. My life is harder. It's not about what you do or don't have, it's about your response to the Lord. The command will be the same. Sometimes the responsibility will be different. Doesn't matter what you are going to do, follow me. Doesn't matter what the Lord calls me to do, follow me. Our response should always be the same to Jesus. Yes, Lord. My job is to be a disciple. My job is to go make disciples. And I'm sure in this moment, Peter was also feeling the pressure of being a disciple. And maybe you kind of wanted to push it off on someone else. What about him, Lord? That guy likes you a lot. You love him. He seems to follow you around. He, He can do it. You can't dodge your purpose. Please understand, there are responsibilities that come with being a disciple. But the actual pressure is on God's shoulders, not ours. My favorite verse probably in the Bible is, the battle is not yours, but it's mine. And while it's true, we can feel the weight of associated with being Jesus' disciple, the pressure's not on us. He's got expectations. He wants His children to step up. We have to sacrifice. And it's not easy because there are times that as His disciples, we are on the front line and we are having to fight Spiritual darkness, we're having to deal with stuff that we shouldn't have to deal with. We are having to look Satan directly in the eyes. And in that moment, you will be tempted to run. You'll be tempted to turn tail and try to pawn off your purpose and your responsibility on your brothers and sisters. Don't do it. This is probably one of my all-time favorite responses of Jesus. He doesn't give Peter a way out, man. And if he's not giving Peter a way out, he's not giving you a way out either. What about him, Lord? What is it to you? As for you, follow me. You get scared? Follow me. You want to pawn it off on someone else? Follow me. Students, it is your salvation. It is your call. It is your purpose. It is your command. It doesn't matter what someone else will or will not do. Pick up your cross and follow me. Stop worrying about the people around you. Let Jesus deal with them. You don't answer for other people when you stand before Jesus. You answer for yourself. And so, you got it. What if you're a graduating senior? Follow me. What if you're a freshman? Follow me. Even though Peter had just messed up a few days before Jesus was there telling him that you're ready. That, that blows me away. Literally, Jesus, he, he denies who Jesus is, and yet a few short days later, you're ready. But how can I be ready? I just met you are ready. Follow me. You have been discipled. You have been prepared for a moment such as this. Your time is now. Students, your time is now. Enough waiting. Stop. I don't know what some of you are waiting for. It's here. You have been discipled. You have been trained. You have been filled with the Holy Spirit. Now is your time. Step up. It's our purpose. How many seniors do I have here tonight? They're graduating. Hi, seniors. Stand up. <laughs> awesome. We're gonna pray for our seniors tonight. Yeah, keep standing, Tommy. You didn't I didn't <laughs> I didn't say anything about sitting down. You stay stand. We're gonna pray for our seniors tonight. But we're gonna actually I'm gonna actually have the seniors pray for us first. I know. Crazy. Hey, you a follower of Jesus? Then do it. What are you gonna do? You're leaving anyways. Ah <laughs> You gotta have fun with it, man. You got this. Believe in you guys. You. Come here. <laughs> Bailey's actually be gonna be given a year in this up next year. You get to pray over our undergraduates. I want you to pray as a discipled, mature Christian over our younger brothers and sisters. And that God will pass on that mantle onto this next generation. If you're a senior and you're around an underclassman, you have these things called hands. (laughs) And we'd like you to nicely put them on people's shoulders. And we want you to pray for those that are around them. Okay? And if you don't have a seat around her, Bailey's got the Holy Spirit. It's cool. (laughs) All right. (laughs) There we go. Yes, yes. All right. Bow your heads and Bailey. Tim, would you pray for our seniors, man? There's a lot of seniors. Lay hands on them now. It's your turn. There you go. Mm. And uh, if you guys could humor me just for one more minute, could you bow your heads? Seniors, you may sit down. Been talking a lot tonight uh, about our destiny and our purpose. But most importantly, Jesus wants us to follow him. I can't close the last service of the year without asking this question. I don't always know where you guys stand with the Lord, but I know what He wants. He wants you to follow after Him. And so tonight, I want you to know that your Father God loves you. That He was willing to give His Son at a cost for you and I so that we could have eternal life with Him. He wants us to come home to Him and to follow after Him. And so let me just ask, is there anyone here tonight that you need to accept Jesus as your Savior? You need to follow Jesus Thank you. I like that. <laughs> yes. Is there anyone else that you need to accept Jesus as your savior? Anyone? Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. I see that hand. Thank you. The awesome thing about the God we serve is that He loves us. He's not trying to keep us out of Heaven, folks. He has gone to extreme limits for us. We just have to make that decision. And when we do, the gates of Heaven are open wide to us. And our Father welcomes us home. You've made that decision tonight. I know it seems too easy. It is. Now you just got to keep following him. Keep pursuing after him. I just want to take a minute and thank Jesus for what he's done. You can agree with me, but the deal is sealed in Jesus' blood. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father that You cared that much about us. That You allowed Your Son to be beaten and abused so that we could have life. Thank You that we didn't have to take on that punishment because we couldn't bear it. And as painful as it was for You, You would do it again and again for us. And so we say thank You tonight for that shed blood that covers our sin. And makes us new. Makes it possible to be in a right relationship with You, Lord. And God, we thank You for Your resurrected Son. That our God isn't in a tomb somewhere, but He is alive and well, and we get to live with Him for eternity. And so we celebrate You, and we celebrate that gift for us tonight. Lord, we give you all the praise and all the glory in your mighty name. Amen amen that's it. <laughs> love you guys. we do have uh yes, <laughs> there we go at that. Uh, yeah, come back next week, 8 o'clock. We've got uh, worship and communion night. Week after that, let's go uh, scare some old people and worship with them and stuff. That'll be fun. But, uh, where are we going to eat? Pickleman's. You guys go to Pickleman's. I'll speak again. All right. Have a good night. Go fellowship. Inter- intermingle and stuff. Yeah, there we go. Go to 9th Street. Street. 9th Street.